do. Tell me the things that float your boat. Tell me the things that you don't like to get your goat. Tell me, tell me the place you like. Hello, welcome to My Power, the podcast about innovation, technology, and palliative care. I'm your host, Amara Warsu, an academic clinical lecturer from the University of Liverpool. As always, it's fantastic to have you here with us. I hope you'll enjoy the show. Apologies for the slight delay in getting this episode up. Due to the busyness of our school half term here, I was involved with lots of fun activities with my children. But I'm here now, and in today's episode, I'm going to be talking about a recent article that was published in the BMJ. To be exact, it was the 21st of February BMJ, and it's an article entitled Too Much Technology, which was by Bjorn Morton Hoffman from the University College of Govik. Now, as this podcast has technology in the title, it is something that I'm quite interested in. I'm very interested about how we could use technology in healthcare. So this article, entitled Too Much Technology, an analysis piece, really piqued my interest. Now, the author initially states how medical access is a recognised problem in healthcare, and then goes on to say how technology has a role in helping to fuel this excess, with technology being a driving force for increased healthcare expenditure, which is ultimately harmful overall. The author states how the aim of the article is to identify and analyse drives behind using technology beyond its benefit in healthcare systems, and suggests how this may be handled. Interestingly, the author includes a figure showing how using technology can cause a vicious cycle where increased accuracy of a particular diagnostic technique leads to more milder cases being detected, which results in more treatment with more success stories, which then leads in more capital investment for such technology over time in light of these success stories, but also then to continue to replace the equipment as it fails or breaks down or gets old. Now, the author states how technologies are widely used in practice without evidence of effectiveness, safety and efficiency, with professionals in society keen to use new technologies. For example, patients really wanting to have the latest scanning uh, technologies and latest equipment for their conditions. Philosophically, the author talks about a a truism uh, that he feels is in place in medicine, where a view of new is better than old, which is reinforced by the media about the latest new test or wonder drug, which is then taken on by patients and professionals. The author argues that there's a technological imperative where, philosophically, that technological innovation is pushed beyond healthcare needs. Interestingly, the there's a discussion about how our understanding of disease in terms of its definition, its knowledge of disease and its measurement are really defined through our use of technology where, for example, this this stethoscope or uh, a CT scan or um, the blood pressure readings really help us to define and monitor disease. So overall, the argument is that the effect of technology is increased cost more activity, greater anxiety, and excessive treatment. So in conclusion, the author suggests that we 
get rid of truism so we get rid of this view that new is better than old that we acknowledge responsibility for development implementation and the use of technology that we still stimulate innovation but restrain its implementation and suggest that only technology that's been shown to be of benefit is put into clinical practice and that devices are critically tested in the same way that drugs are. Now, I personally feel that this article makes a lot of really good points, lots of excellent points, and it's a timely piece because we are living in a technological age. And some of the points that the author mentions about um, the media and the, the, the public and society taking on board lots of new technology and wanting the latest scans and the latest treatment. I do believe it's easy to get sucked in with the appeal of using more and more technology, more and more innovations. And I do agree with the statement that technology should be treated and tested as critically as new medications and that we need restraint when implementing things into clinical practice. It's important to look at the existing evidence to make sure that there is evidence of its safety, efficiency and benefit. For me, however, a key issue of this article is that it broadly talks about using technology in practice as a general entity. However, it only really specifically addresses its use from a diagnostic perspective. So other uses of technology, such as interventions, which, for example, proton beam therapy, cardiac pacemakers, where an individual's heart can be shocked back into a rhythm or that you can make sure that a heart beats at a certain rate. Uh, communication, using technology for communication, such as with public and professionals, and organisation of health systems with technology, which might be auditing of vest investigations, data storage of patient records, planning rotors. These are all technological applications that we see in healthcare, but those aren't discussed in this piece. Also, there's a propensity to forget that technology doesn't always need to be something that's battery powered with a flashing LED light. The author already mentioned the stethoscope quite early on about how this was technological innovation, but things like oxygen, oxygen masks, chest drains, catheters, syringe drivers, an NG tube, uh, a sphygmometer to check somebody's blood pressure, endoscopy, which is a camera test that you can put down to look into somebody's stomach, even the use of PowerPoint presentations, all of these things were new technology at one point. But as time goes on, these items uh, that we see on a daily basis stop being seen as new and just features of our routine daily lives. Also, when looking at certain diagnostic technologies, we also need to acknowledge that over time, these become combined with interventional aspects. So, for example, a CT scan or ultrasound scan, which were initially used for diagnostic purposes, are now combined to do procedures. So, for example, somebody might be able to have an acidic drain. So, that's a, a tube put in to drain fluid from somebody's abdomen. Or that we can use CT and ultrasound to guide uh, procedures like cardiac stents or angioplasties for, for individuals who need a cardiac stent um, to help keep a blood blood vessel around the heart open or angioplasty which is a balloon dilatation of a blood, vest, blood vessel around the heart which certain individuals may need if they've had a heart attack. 
Additionally, procedures like gastroscopy, which I mentioned before, which is the camera test, looking down at somebody's stomach, allows the, the person doing the scope to inject a bleeding ulcer with adrenaline. So in addition to being able to look and see that there's a problem, you can actually do something about it. And although if you look at the data and you look at the stats, you may say that more money is being spent on these devices, on these on this technology, on the devices, the departments and the personnel, it actually may lead to more treatments being done in a more efficient way with less complications, with shorter bed stay and, and greater overall benefit. So that when you actually look at the numbers, you may find that for the more money that you're investing in these interventional procedures, you may also have to do less emergency surgery, you may have shorter bed stays, you may have less open heart surgery, meaning that you may actually see an overall benefit and cost savings in NHS. So alone you may say, well, look at this, we're spending lots more money on technology, but you actually need a greater range of data to, to further assess this, to see what's going on. Now the author makes a really good point about how our knowledge of disease is shaped by technology. However, as medicine in itself is a science and an art, it, it shouldn't take us by surprise that our knowledge of disease is shaped by technology. All natural and social sciences use technology to better understand the world around us. Whether the discipline is physics, chemistry, anthropology, archaeology, all of those disciplines use technology to help mankind better understand our world and our place in it, and medicine is no different than that. Overall, the author concludes that we need to get away from the truism that new is better than old. This is something that I can accept, but I'd like to actually flip this notion on its head and argue that we must equally get away from the notion that old is better than new. I believe that a lot of medicine is limited by an unwillingness to change because of the notion that things have always been done a certain way, so why should we change? Now, just to challenge this, for example, is the way that we publish and share information adequate? Or should we make more use of open access journals and other forms of media such as podcasts and video to share information with public and professionals? Similarly for social media, as the more connected the world gets and society gets, can we use social media platforms to communicate with society in a way that previous generations haven't been able to do to communicate health messages and for research purposes for example to to aid recruitment to to studies also can we use telehealth telecare which involves the use of technology in community settings such as people's homes can we use this form of technology to to help with the monitoring and communication of those affected by long-term illness. This is another one off the wall, but can self-driven cars, which I know that Google and now Apple are developing, you know, can we use self-driven cars to promote independence in the elderly and isolated patients? And can this reduce road traffic accidents since the greatest cause of road traffic accidents is human error? Furthermore, we have great technological developments that are currently underway, such as personalized medicine, 3D printing, which may provide treatments to individuals based on genetic phenotypes. So do these have a role to help tailor treatments to the individuals, reducing side effects and complications of disease? 
Hopefully, what you've seen from these examples is that I am not trying to argue that new is better than old. What I'm trying to suggest, however, is that there are technologies that currently exist and also those that have not been created or discovered as yet, which could potentially be used for a beneficial outcome. However, if you take the standpoint that old is better than new, then it's easy to argue that we shouldn't even be considering any of these ideas that I've already mentioned. Overall, I think that the article is really interesting and it makes some excellent points. I do think that the article could have highlighted that this was specifically discussing diagnostic technologies, as I think it's a little bit unclear when you're reading the introduction and title alone, and also maybe to provide a few more counter-arguments, maybe about the benefits of technology. However, this creates a lot of opportunities to consider and debate the role of technology that we currently has in health and society. So hopefully you found this episode of MyPal interesting. If you want any further information about myself or the MyPal project, then please check out my website, which is www.amarawarsu.com. Music on this podcast is provided by Year of the Fiery Horse, a band that resides here in Liverpool. If you want any further information, then just click on the SoundCloud link, which can be found in the description attached to this podcast. So, thank you once again for listening to my pal. It is here to try your horse to see yourself. Take care. Bye.